You're listening to Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church. And in these Hear and Obey episodes, we are reading and talking through the passage of Scripture that was just preached uh, the Sunday before. So we are in Exodus 12 right now. My name is Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road, and I'm joined today by Matt Groon and Mark Christensen. And we are looking at Exodus 12, 1 through 13. So let me read this, and then we will... Um, yeah, just talk about, meditate on, uh, and apply what God says to us here. So Exodus 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each person can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted, its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And on all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Father, thank you for your word. Mm. It's living and active, as you tell us yourself, in your word. And so we pray that this word would um, function powerfully in us, active in us, to instruct us, to increase our faith, to sanctify us, to edify us. And uh, Lord, bless this conversation now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Passover. Man, this is... Uh, I mean, when you think of the biggest events in mm. the history of redemption, this is certainly toward the top yeah. of all of them. So preaching through the book of Exodus, and uh, we were just talking before hitting record here how um, there's a lot about the Passover kind of leading up to this and following yeah. after. So a lot going on. Matt, I thought it was helpful how you mentioned just thinking about this, how this particular passage kind of reads here yeah it it reads almost as if it's you know if you read an essay when you were in college if you were to read an essay or a a, a long article i forget which academic I, paper yeah i forget which one I, I think it was the um i think national review still does this where for their longer opinion pieces oftentimes they'll include what is called an abstract at the top which is essentially the the main point the 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 summation of the whole argument and then he's going to go on and go into detail um, <clears throat> this feels like that for th really the entire actual Exodus event. Um, because you know, you, what you just said, Ryan, what is the 
viewed the Old Testament view of the greatest event in history is the Exodus to mm-hmm. the people of God. And this is the precursor, like this is the the diamond in it all. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how God, I think Greg's title for the sermon was perfect. The price for a people. Mm. This is the, the salvation of the people. Mm. Them leaving is just a result of what's about to take place. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, and there's more to it than just these tw- 13 verses. There's a lot going on before and especially in the next couple of weeks of before the actual Exodus event. Yeah. There's a lot going on that God wants to communicate, but here is, would be a way of thinking of it as here's God's main point. This is yeah. what he means to communicate in, hmm. in this 10th. I mean, all the plagues been leading to this one. We've known that since what Exodus five, even yeah. five and six, he's, he's called his shot. As you said, this is all going to be ramping up to something. Well, this is the thing. This is the price that it will cost um, to remove Israel out of Egypt. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't just want to remove Israel out of Egypt. I think when, I was, we were talking before a commentator. He wants to get Egypt out of Israel. Mm. He wants to de, um, de-Egyptianize yeah. his people. Detox. Yeah. <laughs> by, by not just removing them geographically, there needs to be an ethical and moral mm. price to be paid mm. to move them as well. Yeah. And I think, too, not as only is this the kind of pinnacle of salvation for the Old Testament, but it's what Scripture keeps pointing back to leading up to Christ and his sacrifice um, mm-hmm. on the cross. And so um, we keep seeing, just like I brought you out of Egypt with an outstretched arm, mm-hmm. um, that you'd be my people. And so um, not only is this just a single event, but we're going to keep hearing about it all through the Old Testament yeah. until the time of Christ. Yeah, that's right. What stands out? To you as we reread that passage, just um, Mm. oftentimes we talk about our basic approach to every text of scripture, observe, interpret, apply, first just kind of observing what's going on, Uh, what what do you notice, what stands out? Yeah, what's evident is that God is, he is concerned with the details. Um, Mm. It's not just a, hey, this is coming and you know, it doesn't really matter how you do it. Just get some blood up on the wall and we'll, we'll call it good. He's very particular about the timings, mm-hmm. the, the when and the how and the what and the who, mm-hmm. um, the extent, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's, there's those verses in on, um, every household is to participate. And if your household is too small, join with your neighbors. Like yeah. there's nobody who this does. There's very clear that this is, and Greg pointed this out. This is a judgment. That's the first one that's befalling the entire land, yeah. not man or beast is exempt from this, which goes to speak to, you know, given the theological categories, it speaks to the holiness of God and the extent of sin. Israel's been ex- exempt so far from the, from the, mm-hmm. from the plagues, mm-hmm. but that's for a purpose. God was displaying to them his power mm-hmm. as well as punishing Pharaoh. But now this, this event, this seismic event is falling on everybody. And if salvation is going to be, um, is going to be achieved. There, there are details that must be followed, mm. and it really is by everyone. Yeah, by everybody. There's no, it, there's no exemption here, mm-hmm. um, and it really is this shadow of like do the question to the Israelites is the same question posed to all of us, and the same question that was posed to Noah or to Adam, to to Noah, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and now to Moses and to Pharaoh and to all the people. Do you believe 
God when he says he's going to do something. Yeah. Just, as I read this and as I'm preparing, preparing for their, to preach next week um, on the, the, the next, the ordinances for the memorial, I'm just struck with the details involved. Yeah. But really what's at core here is like, as if it mirrors the, um, the Noah narrative, God told Noah, I'm going to flood the earth. Mm-hmm. That's like the abstract. That's this. I'm going to send my, the destroyer and he will be, cause judgment. Well, he then told Noah how to be saved from the water mm. in very specific details about how wide and how tall and yeah. how many everything. So judgment justly comes from God, but also the salvation comes from him. Mm. And so it really is a question of, by, are you going to trust him yeah. by faith that you believe him when he says things and then trust him that he has the, the salvation? Yeah, when you start reading this passage here, like you said, Matt, um, it's very heavy on the details here. Um, and something that might throw us off when you read verse two, uh, this month shall be for you the beginning of months should be the first month of the year for you. Um, now that's something until about yesterday, I'm never really noticed, um, there, but I think what Greg brought out was helpful talking about, um, God cares about the timing and now, um, his people wouldn't be governed by Pharaoh and his plans according to his timing. Mm. Um, but it's governed according to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this event, this Exodus event, um, this Passover event would be what should their time, their calendar should revolve around. And yeah. so just thinking application wise as believers, do you think of your life in kind of centered around knowing the Lord um, mm. and the Lord broke into your life? Mm. Um, is that kind of the center and everything permeates or everything like extends out from there? Yeah. Or is that just, somewhere on the road for you. Mm-hmm. So I think as Christians, we should think about our lives as centered around coming to the cross. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. I think also this time reading through it, just recognizing not only is it like a, um, a safe Harbor from the judgment of God, but just the, the visceral, um, personal nature of the, or of the, of the sacrament of the Passover of mm-hmm. like, it doesn't just involve the getting your hands dirty of butchering, but there is an ingestion. There is a taking on. There is a indwelling that needs to take place um, per person, not mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. you know, just everybody get into one of the houses that has the blood on it. But there is a a meal that's involved yeah. of of a certain kind. Um, it just to me, it just highlights the the individual nature of it. Um, you know, oftentimes we can think of and rightly so the Old Testament in categories of God's elect nation. Mm-hmm. Um, and even here, God's, you know, saving works towards households, but there is a personal individualized nature of, you know, you must eat of the food God gives, yep. um, in order to be saved. Um, it just, I don't know, it just struck me this time as you were reading through mm-hmm. it of God judges individuals, not just categories of people, yeah. but individuals and individuals need to be saved. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it's both individual and corporate corporate is just uh, a collection of individuals and it's God's always dealing in, in both of those. And so yeah, when you're saved, you're not just kind of off on your own as a solo Christian, you're saved into community. Um, But you have to believe each, each individual person who makes up that body has to personally believe matt i think like you were saying um seeing this the the detail here it's easy as modern readers to look on it and just kind of think 
that's uh, irrelevant mm-hmm. to me, um, doesn't make sense to me, hard to relate to, seems seems so distant past. Um, but to read it as essentially a call for faith, I think is is crucial. Yes. Um, because otherwise, again, the tendency is to read the Old Testament and think, wow, God was, he used to be really nitpicky. He used to be really technical. He used to be really legalistic. (laughs) Um, And and then to think something like, well, I'm sure glad he's not like that anymore as though. um, And I think this is true. You see, especially, you know, our observation, our vantage point within American Christianity, kind of this view of um, I just come to God. However, I feel I come Mm. to God kind of on my terms in my way. Yeah. And do it. Yeah. Yeah. So we just, we, you know, I, I get the most out of this or out of that practice or, you know, I I express my spirituality or my worship or my faith, whatever, in in, in these ways, this is just a a reminder. The only way anybody comes to God or is right with God, enjoys fellowship with God is always on God's terms. And it's an act of grace is not, um, judgmental or legalistic for God to clearly spell out, this is the way. <laughs> Here it is. Um, so like you were saying, you, you can't just say, well, I'll use the blood of a different kind of animal or I'll use a blemished one or yeah, it, it is a matter of faith. Do you trust God? If, if you do, then uh, then you even see his warnings. The, yeah. the warnings are gracious because they are saying, hey, th- this way is death. Don't go that way. The, the destroyer is going to pass through every firstborn is going to die. I'm telling you for, for your good. So even the warning is grace and, mm. and mercy. And then the provision that God makes, there's a way you can, uh, death will pass over you if you, you trust. And the way you trust is you do what God says. So there's an, an, an obedience of faith yeah. here. I think that's so helpful. Yeah. And it is, Greg highlighted this, and I think it's important that the salvation that was being offered was conditional right it it was conditioned it wasn't just yeah this free come to the all the israelites right are saved the the israelites were not automatically spared from the judgment that was coming but there is a requirement there is a condition that they must exercise faith and obey the instructions given to moses because remember exodus 12 especially at this part is a God is talking to Moses. Mm-hmm. He's speaking to Moses to speak to the people. Over in, uh, I think, verse 21, he's going to pick up uh, the Moses in the book of Exodus. He's going to switch from now Moses talking to the elders. But here is God's discourse to Moses. And they had to do these things. They had to slaughter the lamb without blemish and apply its blood to the doorframe. They, they had to do all this. And, and the lamb is clearly functioning as a substitute for the firstborn, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's dying in yeah. his place. In every home, someone is going to die. Something is going to die. Right. And even though it was it was uh, functioning as a substitute for the firstborn, it was also, cl- which is individualized, mm-hmm. right? But it's also clearly corporate. It's for the family. In yeah. the fact that the whole family had to partake in the yeah. meal. So the atoning work of that sacrificial lamb was being applied to the entire household, not just to the firstborn mm-hmm. son. So you have all these elements taking place. But what's also, you know it's clear that this is divine judgment, right? On sinful humanity. The substitution that's taking place is clearly penal in the, or there's a penal, it's, it's yeah. penal in nature, mm-hmm. right? There is a penalty to it or 
consequence. Yeah, yeah, God's justice was not being swept under the rug. He wasn't taking Egypt out and just forgetting everything else, mm-hmm. right? He wasn't just, you know, in yeah. fact, the Old Testament is very clear how that cursed is the man who just, you know, walks away from judgment. No, judgment mm-hmm. must take place and it must be maintained. And the lamb is functioning as a substitute that doesn't just die in the place of the firstborn, but, but actually carries the judgment mm-hmm. of God that was meant for the firstborn. Yeah. That makes sense. That That's, you know, that's the gospel. That's penal substitutionary right. atonement. You know, God graciously, as he has in the past, thinking of, you know, you know, there's prototype, you know, speculation to Adam and Eve with mm-hmm. the, um, with the, where he closed, the, he, right. he closed, animal they skins. try and clothe themselves with leaves. He closed them with animal skins, which implies yep. something had to die an in order. Died. Yep. It, it, there's also highlighting in, um, uh, was it Genesis 18, 17 with, uh, uh, 20, sorry, Genesis 22 with Mount Moreb and, and Isaac. Mm-hmm. Isaac asks his father, Abraham, over and over again, where is the lamb? Where is, where is the sacrifice? And God says, or Abraham says, God will provide. Mm. And he does. Mm. But this, it's this justice yeah. had to be dealt. If anybody understood that ram died in my place, it was Isaac. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Who knew he was the sacrifice until the substitute was provided. Yeah. And he provides that lamb, but the lamb, ju- God's justice and wrath. I think this is so critical because this informs so much of this is the prototype in a lot of ways of the coming cross um, that, that has been in view from the very beginning. I mean, yeah. Jesus in Revelation five is called, you know, we sing worthy. Holy, holy is the lamb that was slain. He's right. identified as this lamb, the mm-hmm. sacrificial lamb. So this is in a lot of ways. It, in more than a lot of ways, in all the ways mm-hmm. pointing to Christ. Yeah, even when Jesus was crucified was at the time of the Passover. Yes. yes. <laughs> so it couldn't be any more clear. Right. <laughs> you know, when preaching the gospel, then we don't have to say like, oh, you know, this is kind of reminiscent of you know, Jesus ate this meal with his disciples. It was the time of the Passover. Right. And then he's he's crucified. Yeah. So he is clearly the Passover lamb. Yeah. And this really, this, this, this moment becomes the cornerstone of the entire Levitical system. Um, that's going to be built up throughout Exodus and throughout Leviticus an ultimate climaxing in Leviticus 16 on the day of atonement where the high priest would sacrifice a, but this is all pre priesthood. This is all pre everything. This is just, this is the, this is God saving a people, mm. and then the ongoing practice of that. This is going to be picked up again in Isaiah fifty-two and fifty-three with the um, depicting of the suffering servant who's going to suffer in very particular lamb-like ways, mm. um, all leading to the cross. Yeah, and I think too, God is telling Moses and Aaron, make sure that people are attentive to what's happening. Um, don't be sleeping, you know, as this is going on. Mm-hmm. In verse eleven, he says. In this manner you shall eat it, the Passover meal, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. And he concludes that verse with, it is the Lord's Passover. Um, and so even that, be prepared. I am going to deliver you. Um, so notice what's going on around you. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, you know, don't think that you'll um, be okay if you're just doing these things haphazardly. But yep. um be prepared. And so in the same way, I think uh, Jesus, when he was 
getting closer to um, uh, Mount Gethsemane. Uh, he's praying in the garden, mm. tells his disciples to be awake, to be alert, yeah. to be a, attentive to what's going yeah. on here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think of the admonition in Hebrews 2. Um, how will we escape if we neglect so great yes. a salvation? The fact that God has provided the final and full salvation in Christ Jesus doesn't mean, oh, now God is really slack and doesn't care. No, we, you you have to pay attention <laughs> to the gospel, yeah. believe the gospel, be attentive. Um, absolutely. Uh, come on God's terms in in his way <coughs> by faith in, in Christ, trusting that substitute. And it needs to be maintained, however, like we can't read Exodus 12 when it's talking about the Passover and only think of the cross. I mean, this text does sit in a context and, and essentially this is the, um, this is the plague that broke the bondage from, from Pharaoh, right? So there, there's, there's two, t- but there's two salvations taking place. The Israelites are being saved from Pharaoh, mm-hmm. but they're also being saved from God Yeah, in a way they, they are being freed from the, from the land of slavery by God's divine judgment that he's been working from the very beginning, hardening Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh hardening his own heart to mm-hmm. all bring about this moment where he can finally execute the final judgment and, mm. and save his people. But it's also in saving them from Pharaoh, he's saving them more critically from his own wrath, yeah. from his own, um, from, from the wrath being poured out. And, and isn't that so offensive? Yes. To the human mind Mm. (laughs) you know it's just of all the common objections and arguments against god that's one of the the most common um people don't like the idea of a god who feels wrath a Mm. god who actually executes judgment um a god who punishes sinners it's offensive to sinners yeah because um it's just bad news You, you are guilty and you deserve this judgment and we want to view ourselves as people enslaved to pharaoh right like it, we we would prefer to see the exodus simply as god saving his people from the evil dictator pharaoh because yeah. then that places me in a helpless state like a morally neutral right it's not victim i look at i was born into this this slavery and oppressed it, right to get yep. to, to it's to combat against any oppression right it it, it it distances sin from us if we are if all we need is to be saved from pharaoh right and saved from the devil because it keeps sin outside of us and the problem is external once you get rid of the external problem now i'm yeah. good to go no this is clear this is a you know they are culpable for their own sin yeah i thought that was so helpful how greg pointed that out the other plagues god makes distinction it's it's dark in egypt but not in goshen but but this plague, um, there's no distinction. Mm. Every firstborn is going to die, unless you trust the Lord and you um, avail yourself of the the salvation that He provides. I, I think it's also worth clarifying when we're talking about that conditional. You know, you had to trust God and, and do what He said here. In, in no way is the killing of the lamb and putting blood on the doorposts a meritorious right. work that like earns some payment. It's right. not like God is, uh, I think of the, the pagan concepts of a, a, a deity that's hungry and has to be fed the, the meat of sacrificed right. animals or something. This is not payment to God right. that purchases 
redemption, God has freely given it. He's offered salvation. He's offered deliverance from death to those who don't deserve it. Um, and, and so it's just following more like a, a patient following a doctor's prescription. Yeah. This will make you well. I promise. I guarantee. <laughs> okay. Well, if, if you trust the doctor, you follow the prescription. If yeah. you trust God, you follow what he does. And, and in no way have you rendered any service to him that yeah. he now owes you for. That's so helpful. That is, that's still probably the most helpful way to think of faith being required mm-hmm. and also non-meritorious. Not earning anything. Yep. No, because none of us, when we go to the doctor and get a prescription and take the prescription, think, man, I'm so glad I saved myself. Right. Um, no, we, or, or my doctor really <laughs> owes me right. health now. Right. Right. If I don't get better, <laughs> yeah. then yeah, the, the doctor, that's right. Owes me health. He owes me something. No, there, there is a sense in which, I mean, at, at the basis of that is, do you trust your doctor? Is he good? Is he not duping you? Right. Um, and also, will you believe him? and actually take steps. It's You can answer all those questions without taking the steps, mm-hmm. without taking the medicine. You can say, yeah, he's good. Right. He's a good guy, and I trust him. Yep. But if you don't take the medicine, you've not actually, you haven't exercised the obedience of faith, mm. which is required. That's it, yep. Any other thoughts, application? How, we, we like to think in those categories, head, heart, and hands. Any new thoughts? affections that this stirs any response or Mm. or behavior and i'll just throw one out it's not a a new thought necessarily but it's um it refreshes a thought the reality of god's wrath and judgment against sin it's just easy to kind of go through daily life surrounded by people in this world largely oblivious to the reality of god's wrath and judgment and and we wouldn't really no, except for God's revelation. And so to be reminded, death is the wage that our sins deserve. We are dealing with a holy, righteous, just God who will uh, punish sinners. Mm. And he's provided a way to be saved. But just thinking on that, um, and, and then having that as a lens through which I think about and kind of look at my interactions with people around me knowing God has graciously provided a way of salvation mm. through Christ Jesus, the Passover lamb. People need to know that. Mm. Yeah. Um, that that's been a, a thought on my mind since yesterday. Yeah. I was thinking along the same terms of when you have this blood prominently displayed on the doorpost. Um, similarly, how is, you know, the blood that has saved me, Christ, mm. you know, prominently displayed in my life. And it's not, you know, I don't know, posting it everywhere. And, but it is, talking with people about it. And mm-hmm. as James says, I want to be a doer of the word. And so I want people to see that my works are um, glorifying to God and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want people to turn and see and then look and see Christ. So um, yeah, that's good. Yeah. I think just that, how is um, that salvation, that blood prominently displayed mm-hmm. in our lives? Mm-hmm. Gratitude and humility. I mean, yeah. I, I, how do you come away from such a reminder, such a vivid display of God's judgment and mercy at once? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you come away from that without incredible humility and um, wonder and, and joy that we've been passed over? Death, death has passed over us 
because the blood of Christ covers us. I think it just increases and, and deepens our, um, our love and appreciation for mm. Christ and who he is and what his blood means for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I meditate daily on the benefits that the cross purchased, like what the cross purchased for me, mm. that not only am I not destroyed by the just wrath of God, but I get God himself mm-hmm. because of it. I'm able to dwell with him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is the dual reality of our salvation. Not only are we spared from the judgment, but we're saved into him. Mm. And that's going to be played out through the rest of Exodus. But now it applies to me personally, where in, in a way, that Moses could only dream of. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I had the thought going to this, that just the title of Greg's sermon, the, the price of a people, um, you know, it, God killed Pharaoh's firstborn son um, to deliver his people. But at the cross, God offers his own firstborn son. Mm-hmm. It's just so crazy that he would do that, that he would, offer his own firstborn son so that all of us, whether you're you know, firstborn or not, <laughs> everybody else might be delivered. Um, th- there should just be no doubt in our minds. God is for us. He loves us. Mm-hmm. He's good. He's, he's merciful. He means to have us yeah. for himself and have, have us know that he is the Lord and there is none like him. And may we not neglect such a great salvation. Mm-hmm. May that be a motivation yeah towards obedience amen amen that's good thank you guys Mm.